0: July 24, 2003, National Ploigamy Advocate Mark Hinkle, was interviewed
1: for National Geographic Television. Good afternoon, Truth
0: Barrel. Mark. Yes. Hi, it's Dana. Okay, you're with... Uh...
1: National Geographic Television.
0: Correct. Correct. <laughs> Before we begin, I uh, did need to uh, let you know and uh, get your confirmation that this conversation will be tape-recorded, and I want to make sure I got your approval on that.
1: Oh, sure. That's fine.
0: That's okay. Super. So your name is Dana Kemp with the National Geographic, Geographic.
1: Television. I'm an associate producer, mm-hmm. which means that I research the stories and uh, find people who can tell us about what we're interested in looking into.
0: I understand. Yes. So you're a producer specifically?
1: Um, I No, I'm an associate producer. It's a little different from a producer, Was producer sort of kind of heads up the production sure. and uh, guides it creativ- creatively. Associate producer does um, all the, the story development and, and keeps the research on track and mm-hmm. makes sure that what we're saying is on the straight and narrow and kind of a, a couple hats all, all in one. I understand. But um, I so thank you for the, um, the information that you uh, told me to look at the research yeah yes. I read it all those those first four four
0: or five yes. years you didn't get to see everything else after that I'm sure there's a lot to read
1: there is a lot to read <laughs> but I'm up for it just uh, you know just trying to get it all under my belt and mm-hmm. um, make sure that what we're uh, wanting to uh, do a story about we know what we're talking about <laughs> sure um, well. and uh, the biggest thing I guess I got out of it was that um, uh, Christian polygamy is not Mormon uh, polygamy. Correct. And I appreciate the differences there now. And, mm-hmm. um,
0: you see the specific uh, nuances, I mean, the, the, the reason why it's different?
1: Absolutely. That, okay. You know, women uh, are not uh, necessarily, I mean, I hate to say it's forced because uh, uh, in, in Mormon polygamy, they probably wouldn't believe that they're forced, but I, I can appreciate what you're saying. It's, it's a ch-
0: by choice. It's thing. a doctrinal obligation. Which, exactly. it's, it's not force, but it's still force.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. See what you're saying. Sure.
1: Um,
0: and plus, actually, that's, uh, that's a consequence of it, but ultimately, uh, both the history of Christian polygamy has no uh, background with Mormon polygamy at all, um, especially being relatively new. And secondly, is that it is primarily and only based on the Old and New Testament scriptures having nothing to do with the supposed revelation 132 or whatever it is of the the book of mormon yeah. uh and doctrine and covenants that the uh that the mormons have their whole basis on which is another set of scriptures this we're we're not based on that at all it's mm-hmm. purely the standard everyday christian scriptures that uh that everyday christians uh which we are uh except realizing the truth of uh, the scripturality of christian polygamy we're just everyday christians not you know whatever you would define regular christians as non-Mormon situation, that's what we are.
1: Okay, good. Um, uh, just help me understand uh, the um, is, is the, the idea of polygamy uh, uh, sort of uh, the reason God wants uh, people to be polygamists? Is it uh, like a be fruitful and multiply? Uh, is it to 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 be? Um, uh, more godly because uh, people in the Bible did it as well, or can you help shed some light?
0: Sure. On that? Well, first of all, I would say that it is not to suggest that uh, polygamy, or more specifically, polygamy is a uh, better or superior uh, option of marriage to other options such as monogamy or celibacy. Mm-hmm. It is not a not a, a greater than situation. With that also said, uh as Christians we also go according to a uh, verse in 1 Corinthians 7:17 7, okay. that pretty much uh says that what God would call uh that's what we should ordain but it does not mean that everybody is necessarily called to something. Okay. So certainly not every man would be capable of a Christian polygamous situation by any means. Uh, the, the role model for marriage for Christians under the New Covenant is in Ephesians 5:22 to 25 and basically the role model is Jesus Christ and his churches and men are to aspire to be as loving and foot washing and, and going to the cross for his brides as Jesus went for the churches that's what he went to the cross for that kind of laying down life of love that that is the model to which husbands are called to follow as a role model uh-huh. and wives are as the churches to christ okay. so that's the role model the, the in a, in a, with that understood there's certainly no uh, no place for the model of a husband being a chest pounding tyrant uh-huh. the model of christ is that a foot washer loving laying down his life and so from a a a standpoint of teaching men to grow what it's actually causing men not that polygamy is superior but rather that you will never pull this off successfully unless you continue to grow and grow and grow as a nurturing woman loving as a Christ loving as churches type of husband so that you're nurturing and helping and growing and helping each wife to blossom and grow to be whatever she could best be Okay, so it's n- so. Think of it as the difference why uh, we could say communism versus capitalism, okay. <laughs> just to give you a a vague understanding. Think of monogamy, forced monogamy, as marital socialism. It's as everyone's only allowed one, and that's ultimately what socialism was, right? Nobody's allowed more. If you become better, you can't make more. You're not allowed to do more. You can't provide help for more. Right. Whereas. Uh, The free market system of capitalism is that those who are better able to perform can obtain more, right? So the same idea, a man who would grow and be more mature and, and spiritually, intellectually, psychologically capable of nurturing, helping and blossoming, helping women be the best they can be, then in the same free market concept, that creates an incentive for men to be better. So actually what we have is we look at our society today with the result of forced monogamy, marital socialism, what we have is the era of dumbed down males. Hmm. where you've got men who are uh, going one girl after the next, impregnating girl after next, after the next, leaving her abandoned, you know, for society to take care of, men afraid to take responsibility, having no incentive to be better, no incentive to be good and actually love women. This is actually, we're suggesting the other way around is, overcoming this era of dumb-dumb males is creating the incentive that if you really think you're ever going to want or pull off polygamy, man, you better grow, and I mean grow big time plus you also have the emotional dynamics of a polygamous family that it's not just simply, you know, the relationship like you have one on one and you add a second wife and now you've got two it's actually an exponential mm. you know it you know you you add another wife and it's 2 to squared right because you've got every every interaction with one also has a an impacting action with another mm-hmm. and so now you've not just doubled it you have Sc- double squared it and then three then you get three to the three and all that to nine and all that right, right. so it's an exponential matter of interpersonal dynamics that's at play so because of that it really the idea is that men really should be caring about women and loving women and, and wanting marriage so really Christian polygamy is about men taking responsibility and wanting marriage rather than what we have now as a society of men afraid of marriage and the era of dumbed down males
1: Oh I, I like that. <laughs>
0: that's a good concept to me. We're, right. And we're not saying that every man is capable yeah. for, by any means. You know, some men should never be married at all. All women. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we're not saying that. Uh, the thing is, is that it's an option. And what we are actually showing is that as Christians and Christian polygamy, it is actually... A scriptural absolute. This is not a liberal libertine uh, movement, as it were. Okay. You know, in other words, it's not playing liberty with the scriptures.
1: Right.
0: Uh, and and trying to you know justify the uh, we're talking spanning so many different regular known denominations from from uh, Baptist to Pentecostal from law to grace you know the various spectrum spectra of uh, denominational backgrounds all are coming to see this, and the commonality being that as Christians, one of the fundamental presuppositions that we're given and taught in our churches as as Christians is that we are supposed to believe the Bible. What the Bible says is true, absolutely true. And so what happens is, as Christians, and and I'm talking you, you know conservative Scripture believing Christians, we go to the Scriptures and we read them. And we study them from from the original languages, because they weren't written in, uh, even though King James is a good doorway, it it was not written to us in English. The Old Testament scriptures were originally written in Hebrew, and the New Testament scriptures were written in Greek. So one of the first things we discover as Christians is, wow, there are a lot of holy, holy men of God who had more than one wife. What's up with this? That, that's the first question. You know, it it we're talking, you know, leaders of the faith. Abraham. Uh Israel, you know, the twelve tribes of Israel were built by four wives. Huh. Jacob had four wives. Huh. And then you've got David who had at least eight named known wives. Hmm. And you you've got and Moses, which later people later discover that Moses actually had two wives. Oh, wow. So Then someone says, well, how can that be? We thought polygamy was supposed to be adultery. What's up? How's that supposed to be? Well, you go to the original scripture, and the original language it was written, and one of the easier ways for people to do that, the layman to do that, for example, because not everybody knows how to speak that language, obviously, is uh, you can use what's called Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. And it allows you to see every English... Look up like a dictionary. Every English word... In the King James Version of the Bible, and then that word, what it was translated from in the Hebrew through a mathematical index system. Mm. So you can actually discover what the word is. So in Exodus 20, verse 14, when the uh, commandment is, Thou shalt not commit adultery, you discover that the Hebrew word is na'af. N-A, backward apostrophe, A-P-H. And when you look up that word, the word means, Woman that breaketh wedlock. So suddenly you discover what it means is that as long as a woman is not breaking her wedlock, no adultery is taking place. So if a man marries a second woman who has not been another man's wife, no woman is breaking her wedlock, therefore no adultery is taking place.
1: Isn't that fascinating?
0: It is. And, and, and more, you continue on, then you see the very next chapter after the Ten Commandments, in Exodus 21.10, it says, If he take him another wife, her food her raiment and her duty of marriage shall he not diminish. Already, 22 verses after the thou shalt not commit adultery, we see a verse automatically saying that if you do take another, you're not going to diminish what you have with the other wife. Right there, within the next chapter. Hmm. And then you start doing more and more studies and you start to realize that just like the word gay, the word adultery has been changed in English. For example, if you said the word "gay" in the 1890s, mm-hmm. and you were reading writings about it, you would have. Happy. Uh, oh yeah, you would have. If you were reading articles and writings and so forth from the 1890s, the word "gay" would mean something completely different from what you would think in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Completely. That's exactly what has happened to the word "adultery" in English, huh. and that's what has happened. And the doctrine of anti-polygamy actually you discover when you start doing some history research was another one of the doctrines established and created by the originating Catholic institution a few centuries after Christ was around, uh, you know, on the earth, that uh, it was another one of those man-made created doctrines for political expediency with the uh, Roman theologies that was going on, the Roman politics back at that time. So it was an acquiescence, and it was a doctrine created, but it was not in the Scriptures at all. So the more we Christians look at this, and the more we study this, we, we start to see over and over there's not a single verse that ever condemns any of those men uh, of sin. And you've even got Jesus Christ himself describing himself proverbially. Please do not quote me as if I'm saying he literally got married. Proverbially, in a parable... Of the ten virgins in Matthew 25, 1-13, he describes himself as a bridegroom coming to marry ten virgins, but only five will be wise enough and be ready waiting for him. Mm. And it's clearly an example of telling Christians, be ready because Christ is coming, Mm. and the other ones will not be ready. Mm. Now, if polygamy was a sin, the sinless, perfect Lord Jesus Christ would never have used a story describing himself in a sinful scenario. Sure. It, never. It just would never happen.: I know.
1: that makes perfect
0: sense. So we start to see all these things. we start to see there's not a single scripture ever saying that polygamy is bad, and then we start realizing that so much of what this issue we've been taught is actually incorrect. Now, for some people, that's a really, really emotionally, psychologically uh, profound challenge to accept. Uh, did you ever uh, read the book 1984, or uh, or maybe see the movie?
1: I did not.
0: no. Okay. Well, it's a. Uh, have you ever heard of the phrase double think? double think, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, in in the movie, basically, it was the uh, the the main character Winston Smith uh, is ultimately being tortured and forced to ex. Has, he's basically being asked to say that two plus two equals five. Now, he knows the absolute truth, and the reality of it is 2 plus 2 is 4. And all he had to do in order to be free from this torture was to say 2 plus 2 is 5. So in order to keep, and the more they tortured him, the more it was making him further and further insane. So in order to keep his sanity, he had to commit an act of insanity to maintain his sanity. And that was, he had to commit the act of insanity of believing 2 plus 2 is 5 in order to maintain his sanity and be free and be, and be able to go on with life and, and function. Right. So that is actually what ends up happening as a psychological challenge for many people when they hear that the Scriptures actually make it very emphatically clear that polygamy is a scriptural option. The reason why it's so hard for them is because everybody they've ever heard of, their grandma who never missed a week of church, you know, all the great mighty heroes and preachers throughout the ages have all been saying this. The fact this is, none have actually done a serious deep study. And so for many people, their self esteem is such they're saying they see themselves juxtapositioned against all those great heroes that, that said it's a sin, and they're seeing this, they have to commit an act of insanity to keep their sanity, it becomes easier to just say, you know what? Polygamy is a sin. I'm not even gonna deal with it. Right, right. So it allows them to keep their whole world from shattering. Right. In disillusionment.
1: Huh.
0: So that's that's part of what's coming. And we have great compassion and love for for our fellow Christians that understand this. Step by step the process is taking place and more and more Christians are uh, coming to the understanding of this and then that's why we come together as, uh, uh, with our organization uh, truthbearer.org to bring this to the churches in the different denominations we're not a new denomination ourselves you know, we're, we're a parachurch support organization purely bringing the truth of this because the primary foundation of Protestantism is what is called sola scriptura and that is we're supposed to believe what the scripture says if it's not in the scripture it's, it's not our doctrine Mm-hmm. And that's what Protestantism, which comes from the word protest, it was protesting the Catholic institution, saying that they were creating doctrines that were not scriptural. Mm-hmm. That was the whole idea of Protestantism, and that was called the Reformation. Mm-hmm. And that's why we say we are continuing the Reformation, continuing that process of saying we have to believe doctrine based on what the Scripture says, period. Mm-hmm. And one of the great tragedies of this uh, anti-polygamy doctrine It has been what we now see as the era of dumbed-down males, where men are afraid to grow, afraid to take responsibility, rather than having the incentive to actually grow and be loving and be better and be truly more Christ-like. Wow. Okay, it's a lot of process, but yes, it sure is. (laughs) It it, it sure is.
1: (laughs) Um. Let me ask you, what are the, the benefits of the system um, of, of polygamy, in, in your, your opinion, um, both short-term in this life and also long-term, um, and, you know, after you pass on?
0: Well, first of all, uh, again, Christian polygamy does not have a premise as Mormon polygamy. Okay mormon polygamy has this idea of what's called the pre-existence of souls and all that other stuff and yeah. and that uh, this eternal celestial marriage business and all that uh that's not a christian doctrine that's a mormon theological creation okay. all right so i want to say that uh being married christian polygamously does not make one spiritually better in the eyes of god Okay, that, that, I just want to get that very clear. And there's no rewards in heaven for being polygamous or anything of that nature. Not, that's a whole Mormon or Islamic uh, idea. Okay. The spiritual basis is only in the incentive to grow spiritually, that you would be capable of being polygamous. Mm. So it's not like a reward system. Okay. I want to make that emphatically clear. It is that uh, we are to grow. And, and whether, uh, whether a person marries no wife, one wife, or more than one wife, it should only be as God would call. And, and if d- God does call, then that would only be on the basis of uh, the man be- growing and being capable, and indeed uh, the wife herself receiving that call as well. You know, this is again—it's the whole idea of the uh, love not force principles. I don't know if you got a chance to see lovenotforce.com. I did. I did. Okay, that's a, that is also a critically important point to establish and understand uh, that uh, Christ would never, you know, uh, create harm upon another, uh, and neither is a husband to cause that upon a wife, and that's why um, we teach what's called love not force. And that if a husband has so grown in this profound level of of selfless love and so forth, then that itself, by its actions, not by his, see, I'm so selfless, don't you think so? (laughs) But rather by his own actions, that she is not intimidated by the prospect. Because indeed, we're all still coming from a culture of anti-polygamy indoctrination. So we understand this. I I guess I pretty much answered your your question on that.
1: uh, Mm -hmm. Basically, the benefit is to grow spiritually, and um, you you do that by by having uh, plural by participating in polygamy is uh, is is a giving, uh, loving uh, thing for for.
0: for the people involved so so as it's something that happens in other words you don't necessarily you're not going out doing it to be holy okay it may be something that does happen and that society and Christians are incorrect to uh, reject that as a viable option but there's no reward system that uh, you have to go out and get another wife so that that can say that you are such and so Um, you know and and Another thing also is that on a, from a political standpoint, understand that uh, demographically there's not as many uh, polygamists, practicing polygamists, as there are anti-polygamists right now. Of course. Of course. So we're not going to get uh, laws changed, uh, um, democratically, legal speaking, through uh, the practicing polygamists supporting it, but rather whether people have it practice it or not they're the ones who are going to be supporting the political change uh-huh. so pol- so we do have a lot of uh, Christian polygamists that are uh, not practicing polygamous uh-huh. purely because it's a basis of a movement of as Christians we believe all the scripture and if we're going to be honest with ourselves intellectually honest with ourselves then we have to believe that Christian polygamy is scriptural because it is uh-huh. and so, so that's That's really what's at the heart of it. It's not a reward system uh, like these other religions. Gotcha.
1: Gotcha. How many practicing, or how many, not even practicing, but how many Christian polygamists would you estimate there are in the U.S.?
0: That's a question that uh, I really have to say that when it comes to uh, numbers, given our... uh, the controversial nature of our situation. Uh, we try, we don't want to go into numbers right now. Okay. Um, I give you uh, some examples, and this is why there is okay. some there is some challenges.
1: I'll tell you why I'm asking too. Sure. I I mean, it, it, with our series, we say okay, we we stay away from subjects that are like you know one person doing something because we want to be able to say hey listen. People and we don't have to have a number, but we'll say there there are a significant number of people who are doing this. This is valid. There is, right. there is a reason, and here's a reason why. Mm-hmm. And in and, and people, must, how can you point your finger at right. a, at a large number of people that mm-hmm. are doing it? They're not right. cults. cult. It's right. not just a handful. Right. Uh, that's why I don't I don't need to know, but just
0: uh, well we can certainly um, you know as this. Uh, Discussion and over the next whatever period of your project yep. continues, uh, we can get into more people and and you, got, you know, there are some individuals that uh, that you can come to know. Um, that kind of, you know, so so that you can be assured it's not a one-person thing. For <laughs> yeah, well, <I>, <laughs> sure, I guess it wasn't, but, um, <laughs> we can certainly solve that that issue. Yeah. Uh, the t- t- to share uh, and ideas. There is still great persecution, uh, and one of the reasons why we're after uh, decriminalization is that even though there is not an awful lot of enforcement against polygamy, and I would add that uh, most polygamists who are smart do not seek after the legal marriage license of more than one wife. Uh, in other words, taking the the thought process that marriage is defined by God anyway, not by government. In fact, if marriage was defined by government, then none of the men in the Bible were ever married, because not one single person ever got married according to government decree. Mm-hmm. So since marriage is defined by God and not government, uh, no one needs a marriage license to get married, mm-hmm. and so therefore most polygamists will not go after the additional license, and therefore not break the, break the law and all that business. Mm-hmm. With uh, seeking second additional licenses. With that, the I guess that's I guess that's enough. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, in this atmosphere, you know, the uh, persecution and people not understanding mm-hmm. and so on. Uh, how do you get the word out about you know your? Uh, the, the, this is the stuff you told me about the scriptures I had no idea
0: sure um, and most people don't because most people just you know they take a pat answer and they're done with it they don't actually study it deeply
1: and so this is obviously something that you know you guys need to protect yourself right and um, uh, of course you, you don't you avoid the persecution mm-hmm. how do you communicate to people what it's really about um, I, obviously through your website sure um, are there other ways to that you guys can spread the the message. Or?
0: Well, pretty much it is it is a one on one thing, as well as I mean, I don't want to say all one on one. I mean, the point being is that a lot of the Christians that come to our organization, uh, that's really what's making it you know a movement by the definition of the word movement, uh, is that uh, you know so many people from so so many Christians, scripture believing, you know, non liberal, non libertine fundamental conservative scripture believing everyday regular Christians are, are coming to this seeing the scriptures and then they go searching for it and then of course then they discover that there's a parachurch or support organization ours truthbearer.org doing what we're doing and then that's when they want to get involved because as Christians we have the, the motivation that we're taught to believe all the scripture and because of this it's in our hearts to share it with our brothers and sisters in Christ that indeed this is the truth so that becomes the motivation the the issue of persecution for the practicing uh, polygamists, here's an example that, while law enforcement isn't uh, necessarily that concerned or even at issue, because as far as law enforcement is concerned, it's just a, uh, it's like having a mistress. Mm-hmm. You know, who really cares? However, and that's the government's perspective, understand that you know, marriage is defined by God, and when you have that, the viewpoint that marriage is defined by God, it doesn't matter what the government thinks. Mm-hmm. But from a civil perspective, Situation there is an opportunity for vile, violent men uh, to uh, hurt women and I mean hurt women who would end up in a polygamous situation. One of the things at first you 've already heard me talking about this era of dumbed down males and abandoned single moms. We have way too many abandoned single moms here, which is a consequence of men not growing up, not being mature, not wanting marriage, not being responsible, not being Christ-like. And as a, now you take some single mom who has been uh, a good wife, raised raised some young children uh, with a husband that is violent and abusive and, you know, battering, and finally he abandons her. And she's left as a hamster in the wheel, you know, working just to cover the cost of daycare. So she never gets to see the kids, she never gets to do anything, and she's always working just to cover the cost of raising them in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's a hamster in the wheel. She can never get anywhere. Mm -hmm. Then you take this type of a a woman. She gets involved with a solid Christian family uh, where love not force certainly is the the, the cause of the day. In fact, actually... uh, polygamy may not even be something that was uh on their mind. They they become friends or are friends or whatever and it occurs, you know, why don't we all be together as one family? Then this allows for a situation for the children to be uh well taken care of and then eventually a relationship develops, you have uh and and it's all consensual, you know, and I'm not talking about uh, you know, pre-marriage, fornication, or anything like that. I'm not talking like that. But, I mean, it develops, And ultimately, they end up as a, a Christian polygamous family. And this gives, you know, one woman who wants the, wants the choice to stay home with children, another wife who wants the choice to work. You know, they, they, as a family, they come together and make their decisions what they're going to do. And, and, and with that context, now the children are being taken care of by someone who loves them and wants to nurture them, not a stranger being hired at low pay but it's actually being raised by one of the mothers that loves them, and the other women have the opportunity. Uh, you, know, for, you may have trade-offs. One maybe wants to go to school and better herself, and then they trade-off. Another one goes You know, after, after one's improved themselves. You know, it provides opportunity, and the children are being raised in a loving, thriving environment. Now all of a sudden, just because it happens to be on the books... And, and even though law enforcement is not apt to use the law and go after looking for families like this, but because it is on the law, it empowers that violent, abusive ex-husband to now re-enter the picture and sue for child custody and to use the premise of this polygamous arrangement as if it is a bad environment for the children, that calls in uh, the government kidnapping agencies of uh, the Child Protective Services, and next thing you know, this family is all up in turmoil, uh, having a $2 billion dollars in debt of trying to figure out how they're going to pay their, their defense against this in, in court, all because this unjust law remains on the book, even if law enforcement may not be interested. And so, because this kind of persecution is very real uh, for uh, the practicing polygamists, and uh, these kinds of scenarios, uh, as I've just described, are actually uh, bona fide situations. And because of that, that's why we have to be very careful uh, with the uh, with the numbers and so forth but it's also why we have to get the word out and it's also why uh, we also deal with many uh, regular Christians that uh, uh, will take your support you know whether you're you know practicing or not because ultimately laws are only going to be changed by all of us whether we're not whether whether we're practicing or not and that goes right back to what we said in the first place is that it's not a reward system so Christian polygamy is still true whether or not you practice it. Mm-hmm. And that not everybody is necessarily uh, called to a situation of, of Christian polygamy. And yet, despite all that, the principles of teaching men to grow up and be spiritual, intellectual, psychological in their maturity is still a plus whether they practice or not. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think there's any is there anything that's giving you hope that the laws may one day be repealed or um well like you know the um, the, the the gay uh, they're they're getting some um uh, making some advances um is there any hope that that uh, this the, the laws that are up against anti-polygamy that will one day dissolve or be repealed or make it easier?
0: Yes, very much so. We do actually have quite a bit of hope. Um, One of the uh, links that I had sent you was uh, Mm propolygamy.com, and it has uh, press releases and stuff that uh, basically providing propolygamy perspective for the media. I'm sorry?
1: I'm sorry, I, I, sorry, I just I opened your email and I saw
0: that. Okay. And the recent uh, Supreme Court decision in, on June 26, 2003 of Lawrence v. Texas, mm-hmm. which was the uh, one that the decision that uh, was the Texas sodomy case, mm-hmm. and it overturned that uh, and ultimately overturned uh, the Bowers v. Hardwick case from uh, back in the 80s, 1986, I believe it was. The, the Supreme Court has now given, a, given us two important Supreme Court precedents that does indeed say that uh, polygamous civil rights are being violated by anti-polygamy laws, and that ultimately anti-polygamy laws are unconstitutional. Those two cases are the second one being this recent Lawrence v. Texas, are uh, Romer v. Evans, which was on May 20, 1996. Yeah. That was also, unfortunately, connected also to the homosexual issue, but nevertheless, yeah. the result of that is, is a, a phrase called impermissible targeting. Okay. And what, they, what that case had done, and with that decision, is they, to give you some information. At, in 1992, the state of Colorado created amendment. Amendment two uh, that basically would uh, not give special status to uh, homosexual behavior choosing individuals. It was, it was saying that there would be no special rights for that class, mm-hmm. uh, and it was voted by the appro- by, it was voter approved in 1992 by the voters, and that was added to the state constitution of Colorado. Well, it got uh, it went to court and eventually ended up in the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court overruled and overturned that amendment. And the basis by which they overturned that was saying that it was that amendment was an impermissible targeting against a class of people, mm-hmm. namely the class of homosexuals. Mm-hmm. The homosexuals as a class were being targeted by that law. Mm-hmm. And that, so this created a, a doctrine called impermissible targeting, meaning that with this precedent, l- governments cannot write laws that impermissibly target a specific oh. class of individuals. Oh. Okay? So that established a powerful precedent, because actually in that dissent, US, in the dissent of that case, U.S. Justice Antonin Scalia gave, a, gave the argument for the pro-polygamists, even though he was actually lamenting uh, the creation of that precedent of impermissible, targ- impermissible targeting. Mm-hmm. He was saying that, that many of the states... In the West, their constitutions, in order for them to be accepted into the Union in the first place, the federal government had sort of blackmailed these states, saying that you had to put a clause into your constitution uh, saying that polygamy is prohibi- forever prohibited. It was sort of sort of a blackmail situation, right. or they wouldn't be approved into the Union. Mm. Well, the Idaho state constitution has a clause that basically disenfranchised any polygamist, and not only any polygamist, but even a person just for speaking out in defense of polygamy, from losing they would lose the right to vote. Wow. And so Justice Scalia said, it remains to be seen how that was not an impermissible targeting of polygamists Mm -hmm. any more than the much less, much milder Amendment 2 was to homosexuals. Unless, of course... Homosexuals have more rights than polygamists, he said. That was what he said in that. Wow. So already he, he acknowledged that the Supreme Court was heading down the path to constitutionalizing the right, civil rights of polygamists. And he, in his dissent, of that, he disagreed with that decision, but that was what he was saying. Now comes the second precedent, which creates a new term called right to privacy, establishes that. So uh, so basically, to keep it in your head, we've got two arguments. One's called impermissible targeting, and this other one's called right to privacy. Okay. With Lawrence v. Texas, which just came out, it said that people have the right to privacy. Consenting adults, with what consenting adults do, the government does not have authority for intrusion. Yep. And again, Justice Scalia dissented in the decision and again pointed out that this ultimately says that it's the end of morals legislation, and said, and he said that uh, ultimately he made the point that polygamists, uh, the laws against polygamy would have to be uh, overturned as well by this idea of rights privacy. Mm-hmm. So now what we've got here is the result of these two cases points to the fact that governments cannot write laws that impermissibly target a class of people cannot impermissibly target polygamists. And so, therefore, any law that impermissibly targets polygamists is indeed overturnable by Romer v. Evans. And any laws that government write that intrudes the privacy of, for example, polygamists with what adult consenting, adult uncoerced adults choose to do, if they choose to be polygamists, the government has no authority. So with these two cases, polygamous civil rights really are uh, around the corner. In fact, that's actually why we've actually said polygamy is the next civil rights battle. Wow.
1: That is so interesting.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Sure. I'll
1: look a little more into in that too.
0: What that website?
1: That you sent
0: me. Yeah. Propolygamy.com, yes. Yeah,
1: that's really
0: interesting. hmm
1: um, actually, so there is hope on the horizon. Oh,
0: ab- absolutely. There's no question about it. Um, and on a political basis, to give you a, uh, an understanding of what our approach is, we're not after legalization of polygamy. Okay. What we're after is decriminalization. What we're saying is that the Tenth Amendment, which says that if it's not in the Constitution, the federal government doesn't have authority to do it anyway, And because you will not find the word marriage or anything connected to marriage whatsoever in any part of the Constitution, the Tenth Amendment makes it clear that the federal government has no authority being involved in marriage. So from that standpoint, it also becomes politically acceptable to all constituencies. For example, if we chose legalization... Then you would go down the path, besides the Tenth Amendment issue I just described, you go down the path of having to create definitions of who's allowed to marry and who's not, which is already the trouble that we've just gotten into. Yeah. And once you start doing that, polygamy is a general word. It means both, technically speaking, it means both polygamy, one man with mm-hmm. more than one wife, and polyandry, one woman with more than one husband. But 99% of the time, culturally speaking, it only means polygamy. Uh, there's very uh, few polyandrists, uh, even culturally speaking. The So the problem with that is, is that clearly polyandry is not scriptural, the idea of a woman having more than one wife, and th- that would immediately alienate uh, the conservatives, and they would always oppose any legalization basis for polyandry. And yet, at the same time, if we were after legalization and saying that uh, polygonists should have this authority but not polyandrous, automatically all liberals would oppose it. Mm. So instead of that, what we say, well, let's just go right back to the Constitution anyway, and we'll say the government doesn't have authority at all in it, and now you don't even have to worry about who's being defined and who's not. Uh-huh. And so we're, we're after decriminalization, and the way we're doing that is through what we call uh, tearing down the house of cards of anti-polygamy thinking. By the house of cards of anti-polygamy thinking, what I mean is this. What happens when you tear down the first floor of a house of cards? Everything else comes down. Exactly. Well, think of each floor of a house of cards as a political constituency. Mm -hmm. The first floor of the house of cards are the conservative, scripture-believing Christians. These are our fellow Christians that mistakenly think that polygamy is a sin. And they make an unfortunately horrible mistake when they start comparing polygamy with bestiality and, and homosexual practices and other things of that nature because when they do that, what they're doing is they're comparing Abraham, Moses, and David to the same thing that they oppose. Which is, of course, a grievous mistake for them to do. For sure. And because polygamy is not on the same plane as these other issues. Mm-hmm. But by more and more of us fellow scripture-believing conservative Christians realizing it as we go deeper into study and more of, our, more of us as we persuade our fellow conservative scripture-believing Christians and we're growing and growing and growing, what we're ultimately doing is proverbially silencing that voice that says it's a sin. Because a few others really care about the sin aspect. And so by as more and more conservative, scripture leaving Christians realize that Christian polygamy, realizing that polygamy is not a sin that they've been mistakenly thinking, that effectively removes the first floor in the house of cards. Because what other constituencies out there? Well, you've got the, uh, the liberal... Christians, their liberal dogma of tolerance, tolerance dogma, absolutely requires its followers to tolerate adult consensual non-abusive polygamy. Mm. You have to. Mm-hmm. Rhetorically, you have to accept that if you accept the dogma of tolerance doctrine. Okay. So liberals would, would accept it, and uh, feminists we have, their doctrine requires them to accept what a woman chooses. And if a woman truly chooses consenting, adult, non-abusive, uncoerced marriage, uh, Christian polygamy, or, or polygamy in general, then it, a feminist rhetoric requires them to accept it, especially as a positive, proactive alternative if the woman chooses that as helping women that are hamsters in a wheel, single moms, abandoned single moms. That's certainly a help for women. So feminists would have to accept that. Cultural conservatives uh, would have to accept it as an option uh, for helping such abandoned single moms off welfare, mm-hmm. saving tax dollars and all that. So all the, And everybody else is pretty much laissez-faire, could care less what consenting adults choose to do. Yeah. So the thing is, is that as we silence that vocal voice that thinks it's a sin, and silence it not in a negative connotation, but rather by by persuading them of the reality that they're making a mistake, Mm -hmm. then as they stop that professing, then nobody else could care less. And so the whole house of cards of anti-polygamy thinking comes crumbling down, and now we've built a constituency that will support the politicians who will make the action to remove these laws.
1: Smart
0: way to approach it certainly and and so that's that is the truth bearer agenda and our truth bearer mission is that of bringing Christian polygamy to the churches, so we 're not trying to be our own church we're bringing the truth of this to the churches and to the pastors and to the organizations and truly you know pastors have a a very difficult uh, position that they're in. You know, you, they've got uh, the pressure from above, their hierarchical denomination, uh you know that if they start, you know, pre- if they see the truth and they see that they start preaching this, they could lose their job from the denomination firing them. Right. Uh or they've got the pressure from below that if they start preaching this, you know, their uh, the congregation could uh, dry up tithes or go to another church. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there's a lot of great pressure on them. And so Part of what we're also doing is creating sociological paradigm shifts. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with what I would mean by that, with what the phrase, what that term would mean?
1: I would need some
0: help on that. Okay. A person, uh, people don't make necessarily political mental changes from extreme left to extreme right or vice versa or whatever. You know, usually it's in little incremental shifts. They'll start with a way, a paradigm is a way of thinking. And they'll make a Well, I'll I'll accept this a little bit. Now I'll accept a little more. Okay, now I'm, you see what I'm saying? It's step by step by step. step. Well, what we see also happens for many Christians is that they likewise go through this process of paradigm shifting. They'll go from first the paradigm that polygamy is a sin. Then they'll go to the next paradigm. uh, Well, there was some polygamists in the Bible, and, and they were holy. Then they'll go to the next, you know, the next paradigm shift that uh, says, well, polygamy's not a sin. It, the Bible doesn't call it a sin, but we're not supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. See the subtle shift in there? Mm-hmm. And then they'll go to the next step, uh, which is the Bible doesn't call it a sin, and it's not a sin, mm-hmm. uh, but we shouldn't do it. It's not the ideal. Mm-hmm. And then, then what? they'll go to the final shift and say, well, it is a Scripture, and why am I saying it's wrong? Because Scripture doesn't say it's wrong. Okay, and then the final passage. We need to bring this to our fellow Christians, and then we need to. This, this, this then you start realizing, wow, there is some profound sociological benefits. For example, uh, just on a secular basis, the the helping the abandoned single moms that are hamsters in a wheel, mm-hmm. and the incentive to create men to grow up and be mature and want marriage. You know, this is this isn't just marriage. Marriage with a plus.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it, I'm kind of shifting here, but. Something that I keep thinking of as you're mentioning, as you're talking, is um, to me. I mean, I'm an only child. Um, I live by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking that having a network, having as from a female perspective, of course, sure, um, having other uh, wives and a supportive husband around you. I mean, the the, the benefit, uh, some of the what am I trying to say here? It just seems like it's a great support structure. Exactly. To have people inherently there that you can trust and that you know and love. Right. Um. And to me, that, from someone outsider's uh, perspective who doesn't know a whole heck of a lot about it, is trying to learn. Sure. Um. That
0: seems to be a huge benefit to to women. hmm um, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, certainly, the whole. Uh, uh, idea that uh you know women like to uh spend time talking with each other and sharing you know what's going on and and you know or 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 soundboarding you know their 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 feelings
1: exactly you know exactly. or did <laughs> You know, some sort of a equal tragedy happens in their life. They have someone right there. Right. Versus a lot of people that I know and myself personally that have no siblings, have no, um, you know, uh, it's 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 my family is you know several states away kind of thing, and and this is this is all all right there and right. very helpful. Mhm. Um. So in a way, it's it's um. It's, it's helpful to women in this society to, to have it. I mean, for the women that are um, interested and in accepting of, of that lifestyle.
0: It can be. It can be. Yeah. And again, it within the context of love not force. And one of the concerns that we have and the troubles that we have is that we are, the media, when they go looking for polygamy, always end up going after Mormon polygamy mm-hmm. or after the circus act okay. or after the criminal act okay. you know uh, like Tom Green for example uh, okay. if you saw the comment there where <laughs> you know, I mean, we think of him as the uh, we think of Tom Green as the polygamy Tim McVeigh mm-hmm. you, know, you know that the, the concept being that uh, uh, what uh, Tim McVeigh a hero wannabe did back in 1995 when there was a, at that time a, a politically growing uh, militia movement mm-hmm. and then he does what he does and the whole Oklahoma City bombing and killing so many people and that great tragedy, you know, he ultimately killed the militia movement that was growing. Now, I'm I'm not speaking, you know, for or against the militia movement. And we're not connected to anything of that nature. I'm just talking about looking at that as a historical perspective right. for comparison. I don't want you to connect what we no, are with no, that. No. <laughs> but I'm, I'm explaining why he, we consider him as the, Timothy polygamy, the, Tim, the polygamy Tim McVeigh. Right. Is that th- that's what his whole situation I mean, he's been married to like 10 women, and he basically marries mothers with uh, daughters, And then marries the daughters, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and then marries sisters, which is unscriptural. And, you know, five of the, uh, uh, three of the five that are still with him were daughters of uh, two former wives. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's uh, one that passed away and the one that left him. You know, and it's just a whole, that whole idea of, you know, a girl coming into his house at nine years old and then him calling her his wife at 13, that's just, oh. Uh, the whole daddy daughter dynamics going on with that, Hello. you know, and that's that's like, oh come on, that we're that's absolutely nothing that we're about.
1: Well, that's not that's
0: not um, enough for us. <laughs> oh, it certainly isn't. You know, and it, can, it comes back from the fundamentalist Mormon idea and um, and some of the the religious doctrinal basis for why they believe in polygamy. But unfortunately, that's what always tends to get the media attention because, indeed, the media has to you know they're they're in. The business of, of you know, they've got to raise revenue, and they've got to they have a story that's going to sell, and so they go after the sensational story, and so polygamy is forever being misrepresented that way, and it, for us, it's just like, imagine if this was in, like, say, the 1940s, all right in the, uh, uh, the the days of segregation being legal. It's the law of the land that segregation is legal, and every time the media ever was going to tell a story about uh, people of african-american descent it's always a criminal always a criminal and they and not only do they do that they say see this is why we have to have segregation laws you see the inherent racism of that that's exactly what the media does to us as polygamists. exactly, exactly. They, they continue to constantly say that is polygamy and that is why we have to have laws against polygamy and they constantly do that, and, and constantly want to look for a circus act, right. they, oh, so people can go ooh and ah, uh, uh, rather than just looking at it from a rhetorical doctrinal standpoint. Right. You know, whether a person's practicing or not is ultimately irrelevant. It's a valid option when it is within the premise of love, not force. Whether one's a Christian or not.
1: Right, right. Well, I I completely understand what you're saying about the the whole media circus that it can you know sometimes be. Um, and just to tell you, and I'm not defending ourselves because I, I feel like we you know like I said before we're very reputable. And um, our the whole objective with this series um, is uh, it's it's more of a cultural series. It's not like um, what can I compare I, like Dateline, for instance. Mm-hmm would sort of find uh, an event or something that has happened or a specific person and go, uh, you know, have the narrator tell the story and so on. And since we're a cultural series, we want to, you know, and that's why I'm interested in this being, you know, a broader movement. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to show the doctrines of, of the group as... A culture or religion per se, um, and and expose what it is uh, fundamentally that uh, this this group uh, uh, believes in, and um, expose it for what it really is. And I use the word expose not in a a negative sense,
0: but in a positive sense. Shed light on
1: exactly. Um, You know, I think. Of course, you know, a lot of subjects that we deal with, um, people are nervous because the nature of the things that we want to discuss are um, can be controversial or um, are groups of people that have been persecuted um, in the past, and uh, the, the notion of a series that can look at these kinds of things and attempt to turn all that on its head mm-hmm. and really say, hey, here's what it's about... These these people. I mean, they're not they're not all crazy. There's there's a reason here, Mm -hmm. and um, it's it's not coming through in other um, avenues. Let's let's see if we can tackle it. It's very challenging,
0: right? Um, Especially
1: someone in my position, who's the one having to talk to people that um, are um, nervous and so on. But anyway, that's
0: that's. So now you say it's a series. So there's a number of shows going to be involved in this series? There are,
1: and each show... Um, How many shows? There are 13 shows. Okay. They're hour-long.
0: Mhm.
1: Um, They are... They all deal with different um, kinds of topics. Um, you know, one is religion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, one is medicine. So we're looking at... Um, like for instance, in that show, we are looking at um, the medicinal uses of... Again, this, this stuff is all, you know, a, a little disclaimer here, it's, it's stuff that is, is um, to a lot of people, uh, it invokes a strong reaction. We're looking at the use in modern medicine of maggots
0: mm-hmm.
1: that actually have been proven to um, clean wounds and help, sure. help people with certain afflictions, that
0: kind of thing. Sure, in the back of my mind, I think I've heard of something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, or, or different child-rearing mm-hmm. practices. Okay. Um, that's another one of our shows.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, did you, were you the ones that did the... Uh, I'm thinking this is like along the lines of some uh, tattoo show or something.
1: There, last was that you guys? Year, last year there
0: was a thing on tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you are saying something along those kind of lines?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what you saw. Um, it, it, we air on the National Geographic Channel, right? And um, I will tell you that the name of the series is
0: Taboo. Okay, uh, it's the Taboo series. Yes. Okay, I've seen the series.
1: Okay. Um. So you know that's uh, you definitely like. Then I'm going tell you that that's the name of it because a lot of people Shh. don't like that, but it's not that we're accentuating the taboo. Mm-hmm. It's that mm-hmm. we're trying to show here's what. And if you've seen the series, mm-hmm. you'll know.
0: Now the context of. Uh, you're talking with me mm-hmm. now. Is it is that within the polygamy context, or is that within a uh, a larger context of including you know, bestiality and homosexuality and no. group sex and all that other garbage? No, 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 no. no, no, no. Um,
1: let me see, the show that we're looking at this for is family. It's actually not for religion. So, this is for a show about families. So, we're looking at different family structures. Okay. And I'll tell you that the... one, because each, each show has three segments, so mm-hmm. to make up that hour long, of course, with, with commercials and everything, it equals to about 45 minutes, I think.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, approximately, it's not mm-hmm. exact. But, um, and each segment is 15 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if one is, is richer than another, then it will go longer and go shorter than another segment. Sure. We have done a show on um, polyandry mm-hmm. in, in India. Right. Um, that was one of the segments. Mm-hmm. Um, that 's currently being cut, and i don 't i'm not involved with that one okay um, the other show is also another associate producer and it 's um i 'm not sure that that 's something that 's happening or not we 're looking into it it's, um this matriarchy in in china okay. mm-hmm. um, so you so you know where we're what we 're interested in uh, the other topics sure fully informed and all that. Um, I don't know anything more about the, the Masuo thing.
0: Okay. Um, but in terms of the family structure, then you're talking would be like a 15-minute segment, polygamy. It, it
1: would be a 15-minute segment. The we were very character-driven. We want to tell the story through the eyes of people involved, so we're not like that booming dateline
0: voice going, look at these people and here's what they do, because right. I just don't think it's very authentic. Sure. Well, I mean, I could see myself in the context of your uh, if i recall your show very often, you'll pull on somebody uh, who's like seated in the exactly. some rich man's library as an expert on a topic, and you're, right. t- and, he, and they're speaking their mind to you, right. uh, as a as a matter of expertise.
1: Exactly. So that I can see
0: myself in that scenario on your show. Okay.
1: Right. Um,
0: if that's what you know, is it, a is a topical expert. You know, the person's usually like at a 45 degree angle to the couch. <laughs> I, it's, that's, um,
1: those are called. Um,
0: uh, what do we call those? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> the they're, expert. They're,
1: that's what they Expert interviews, yeah. Sometimes they're in boxes. But so they
0: come in several. Well, they keep coming back. I mean, you know, they they keep the, the, something will happen, and they'll bring the expert for a comment on this cause.
1: And we'll say, yeah. okay, this is explaining that to help people understand. Okay, right. this is what that means. And sure, the story is going on, and mm-hmm. and lend it some credibility. Right. So it's not like we're just you know sure. just showing this thing without
0: any credibility. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, so well, I, that, that well yes, I, I I and I see myself. Uh, given what i 've done for the movement uh I see myself as you you definitely i'm i'm that expert that you would have okay. there okay. um that you would have you know talking as a is a matter of intellectual explanation
1: okay great i'm glad that um you've seen it and that you're willing and interested to
0: within that perspective yes that. the question I have is that when you say other families, what do you mean by other families
1: um well i i mean I, I don't mean other families. I, we would like to feature a family that is in, in uh, that is doing
0: this. Sure, that's practicing, yeah.
1: Yes, and normally um, instead of just sort of spending a day in a life, um, we oftentimes like to find some kind of event, whether it be I, mean, I don't know, cr- christening or something to film, so that we can add that texture of richness and have an anthropologist saying, okay, this is important part of their um, practice and here's why, and kind of give it a little bit more dimension mm-hmm. um, and, and be able to make those parallels okay. between um, someone who is involved and someone who is not, and say, okay, mm-hmm. here are the reasons why it serves a purpose for them, and mm-hmm. just like this is serves well, a purpose for other groups
0: um well, i think uh, pretty much uh, uh w- overall we're pretty much boring i mean <laughs> yeah we're just everyday people, <laughs> people. <laughs> you know um that um i think that um maybe it might be uh, an idea for a, a future story i mean the 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 whole idea of the growing movement itself, more than a, not more than an issue of of following practicers, but rather uh, uh-huh. following why are people, whether they're practicing or not, uh, growing and coming to this truth and spe- and telling other people about it. You uh-huh. know, as a growing social movement, so okay. almost almost like a. Uh, um, uh, Recording history as it happens. In fact, that's our phrase. You know, we, we're changing the course of history with what we've done since 1994. And uh, in, in, so we do see ourselves as changing the course of history right. with, with b- bringing back polygamy. So whether that be the case for this particular story it still strikes me as uh, an opportunity that somewhere uh, the final organization of National Geographic Society, which we do uh, have respect for, um, and, it's, and its approaches are... Uh, Generally, not uh, sensational, which we appreciate. Um, it would seem to me that that would be an idea for a, uh, a future story: is uh, you know the, the movement of Christian polygamy itself, and that not not just the uh, the issue of looking for uh, families on display, because families on display ultimately is, is probably pretty boring. <laughs> you know, it, it's not it's not going to get you to the to the real story of why people you know some people are are not necessarily motivated just to, to go out and practice it again because it's not a reward system. You know, and and also families. uh, You know, if you notice, the reason why we're doing what we're doing now is that Mormon polygamy does not sell. It hasn't sold for 150 years. Okay, and yet every single time Mormon polygamy is displayed, it's just reinforcing. Polygamy equals Mormonism, or Mormonism equals polygamy, always in the mind, and and we can never break free from that wrong stereotype. And it's always that's the families they go to, and then when you start getting to that, you start getting into Mormonism, you know, and that 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 association. So that's that is a concern for us. Okay,
1: the only thing with the series is that uh, we've got to be very careful not to sort of uh, broach into like the political arena because then it, it's not. Accomplishing what our series hopes to accomplish, which is more of an educational
0: kind of non. I, well, I, well, when I say political, what I mean is is that we are also uh, we're politically, but not politically. Meaning that what we're after is the the laws will change when the politicians have the constituencies that won't vote them out for voting, for supporting it. Right. And the way we do that is through presentation of our rhetoric. Because when, when people hear us and hear what we have to say, almost all the time, love not force will persuade them. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think yourself. How much have we not already educated you, now maybe it's not something you want for yourself, mm-hmm. but how much have we not already educated you about a positive possibility oh, well, for other people? Oh, yeah. Whether this is for you or not, it's irrelevant. And and so that that we need that rhetoric to be heard and to be presented. And so we're not our rhetoric is not necessarily political, but rather explaining what it's about from an incentive standpoint, you know, so that people aren't like on the opposite side of the, the camera saying you know, or the opposite side of the T V looking at it and say, Ooh, look at that circus act. Instead they're saying That'd be a good incentive for my son to grow up to be a man and and to really care about women. I like the principles. I like the the, the thought process. Whether a person's going to be Christian or not is irrelevant. I like the thought process that that says to my son. I like the thought process that says to my husband. I like the thought process that says to my uh, my brother.
1: Well, that's certainly what you're saying right there is the the heart of what we want to, what we want to do. Right. And just how to do that visually. Right what we're going to show is, I guess, the, the question.
0: Sure. Um, right. Whether
1: it be, like, you know, through the eyes of what I was saying before, family, or whether it be through, I mean, the whatever it is, right. it, it certainly needs to somehow um, communicate what it's about.
0: Right. Um, we can do that. <laughs> do
1: it through, yeah, do it through the eyes of one or two people that uh, viewers can feel somehow a sense of emotion or attachment to because you know, get a group of um, if you have one person sort of centrally focused, um, I think it has more power um, mm-hmm. because people say, "Oh, I that person that, that's you know representing." Uh, this group, as long as you're representing it in a positive light, sure, it, it, I think it has more impact than than a lot of uh, people or Dateline piece or uh, mm-hmm. a Dateline. i no, I mean no, I, I don't think of them illly at all. Yeah, they, they're perfectly respectable, but it, it, we just want to distance ourselves from being
0: like that. I understand. Um,
1: so, so, someone that's just representative of. That can represent the the, the um christian polygamy mm-hmm. um that a viewer can connect to right uh, in, in a nutshell
0: right well uh, as I said before, I could see myself in okay. that kind of expertise role for sure okay definitely great um and I certainly uh have a uh level of respect for the national geographic. You know, I will definitely say that. uh, No, understand. You know, uh, we've said no to Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Okay. Of course. Of course. Just to give you the idea.
1: That wouldn't be a very good thing for you
0: guys. No, 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 not at all. Uh, Very definitely. Uh, So what? do you have any other questions or, or um, wh- where you would want to proceed now. from here?
1: I'm in good shape. Uh, what I want to do is just um, look at the rest of those websites.
0: Um, that that I passed on to you? Yeah, sure. I looked at
1: that first, like, essential list.
0: Which one? The, the oh, the, 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 well, that was basically because the, the first two emails that you sent me
1: right. were
0: both Mormon polygamy. I know. And I was like, oh, no, here we go again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, no, I, I, need to, I need to know the difference if
0: we're going to – I mean, I appreciate that, so <laughs> –
1: um, I, I will keep yeah. plugging away. I'll i pre- getting the
0: research under my belt. Well, because like I said, Mormon polygamy has not persuaded the masses for 150 years. It's not going to. Yeah. You know, so... <laughs> <laughs> and, well,
1: I think the whole—I mean—the thing that's really speaking to me is just the, the love, not force thing. That's cause as I started researching the whole—I mm-hmm. mean, it, it as a whole. Right. Um, yeah. You know, well, this is okay as long as it's not hurting anybody right. or forcing anybody. Right. In. um when it was like bingo
0: when I read your the, your uh, the the, the, bit. the love, not force confirmed it. Yeah, yeah, I exactly. see.
1: That's, I, and that's what
0: people I think, want to hear. Oh, sure. Well, actually, what's been exciting is that as as we Christians have been discussing love not force for a while and laying down the, the you know all the principles about it, uh, we've come to realize that it's the fundamental truth of the entire doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. that you know that it is it's love not force. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, that that's how we're supposed to conduct ourselves as Christians in the first place. Wow! You know, so it's like, oh boy, it could it, it could have hit a more more positive way. Well, yeah, <laughs> certainly it was
1: great that when when that the difficulty that you had earlier, uh, when it, what was it, ninety
0: five or? Oh, it, it was tragic. You know, these, all of a sudden these men start saying, you know, I can do whatever I want to do, and she's got to put up. Oh, it's horrible, absolutely horrible.
1: And and to come back with such a forceful uh, uh, three words to really uh, reestablish
0: the, uh, what it's all about right oh yeah no, it was it, it's been a, it's been a very exciting uh all about 9 years i guess it was it's been a very exciting, you know you, you don't have a roadmap of how to change the course of history right. and you don't know what's around the corner but it's it's been fun <laughs> Well,
1: thank you, thank you, thank you for all all the time. Sure. Like I said, I'll continue to get the research under my belt. Okay. What's best for you? If I if I email you with like a question here or there, or um, obviously the, it seems like that that's the the best way to get.
0: <laughs> I I would certainly be uh, uh, glad to answer emails. If you want to uh, uh, conduct further uh, telephone interviews or something, okay. that would certainly be uh, acceptable as well. Okay. Um, okay. Like I said, all things are uh, are telephoned. Okay. Um, it uh, it also allows us, you know, to establish, you know, credibility for other people that, uh, you know, we're uh, we're not just some lunatic fringe. You know, we're mm. we're actually getting, you know, the attention of important uh, players. Okay. Uh, we certainly think of in uh, National Geographic as important uh, from a non-sensationalist, uh, credible media source. Right.
1: Well, I'm glad too that you've, you've seen the series, and maybe now that you know that what we what we're, who we're with right. the series that we're doing, you, you'll if you see it again, you'll say, okay, you know, right. you, you realize sort of, not that you already have but yeah. you'll, you'll see um,
0: even more. The context. What we're, what we're interested
1: in. Sure. Uh, and then um, I will definitely, uh, definitely be back in touch um, to, to set up something like this. I'll just do it like we did it
0: before uh, on the email and uh, okay.
1: get a time. Of time you
0: know. So what is your, uh, your project time on this. I mean, eventually, it it sounds like you're going to be wanting to put me on camera. I mean, you know, Um, that sounds what you're talking about eventually.
1: Well, you know, what
0: are you talking, three months, six months?
1: um, Well, it's actually pretty soon. Um, Okay. uh, We're flexible on time, Mm -hmm. but the very last um, shoot date, let me see on my calendar here, is like mid-October. So in the next couple of months, we've got to have this this film, uh, this documentary shot okay um because we have a edit schedule on the other end and then delivery mm-hmm. um, of course to the execs <laughs> right so we've got to do that but um that's that's our interest um and if we're to proceed on this um, story then you know of course just figure out how to tell the story part of it visually Yeah. Um, we got the, we we got an expert it seems so yep. that's we we good to go on that sure and um just any thoughts you might have on on visually right how to go about telling uh, and best communicating what you're all about.
0: I will certainly uh, uh, do that, basically try to figure out what would be uh, you know, my my ideas and, and pass them on to you. I mean, obviously you guys are putting on your show. Yeah. Um, but certainly would be glad to uh, provide my input on that.
1: Yeah,
0: well, you're the expert. <laughs> glad to be so you're saying mid October so you're probably be talking more like shooting in September then
1: it probably i mean any time that is convenient between now and and then mm-hmm. in, in uh, mid October
0: is okay game for us. so now this would be the type of thing you'd be uh, flying out here or something of that nature that or? would be
1: the that would be the goal and um the the cruise it's not what you probably imagine like big cruise or film cruise mm-hmm. it's either one or two people yeah um, usually, a producer or an associate producer like myself, mm-hmm. or um, you know, a sound guy and a producer. I mean, some two two people usually, oftentimes one. Mm-hmm. Um, we shoot on digital video, and okay. those cameras are kind of small and unobtrusive, and it's very um, it's it's fairly casual. Um, okay. In that respect, it's not very daunting okay. to a lot of people. Um, I can't even think of an instance where I've been on one of these shoots where we've set up like lots of lights or you know, taking up time in that fashion. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: so that's always a plus.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. Well, you would, uh, so you'd only do like one one time you'd come up for shooting? Yeah. Oh, I see. Most
1: likely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so
0: you'd pretty much, we have figured out what's going to happen, and then I'd come in and, and give my uh, expertise blurps.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not quite sure where you're located, but
0: Old, like... Old Orchard Beach, Maine.
1: Okay. So if there is um, something to a to, uh, family to, to film there or, or whatever the case may be Right get that in there and, mm-hmm. and you know the interviews usually take a matter of a couple of hours Right We throw up a black backdrop and
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know it can be done really anywhere
0: Right where There's good sound Now um, if uh, we brought more families involved uh, is there uh, um, I don't know what is it face mosaic covering or something um, <laughs> you mentioned sure. something you mentioned something to the effect of uh you know yeah. not using names or whatever my name's available i'm obviously out, i'm out in the public but um but i'm just saying that uh, some of the families that uh i might consider i think would uh, be concerned about that issue okay
1: yep that's something um you know we don't have to use real mm-hmm. names, okay um we certainly can uh do the the blurry i mean if it's the if it's the whole piece, yeah. having the face blurred out of that
0: wouldn't mode. be well, no, no, I just meant if you if you just you know were like getting a shot or something like that yeah um that kind people of a, that you know mm-hmm.
1: that aren't the central focus right absolutely right. Um, you know, the the, the mm-hmm. goal for us is to tell what it's about right. through an eyes of a person. We don't need to, you know, know the things okay. like social, security, you know, just our
0: whole. Sure. Um, you know. Okay. We
1: definitely don't want to um, uh, hurt anybody. We, uh, right. in the making of our our film,
0: so. Right. Well, plus also the fact is too is that, um, uh, I'm the one with the most meteor experience. Okay. Yeah, meaning that. You know, again, we're just everyday people, you know, people are not necessarily gotten who are practicing uh, or even those who aren't for that matter, uh well, you know, didn't get involved to uh, you know, to necessarily be media experts. We're just regular people. You know, uh, <laughs> we're yeah, regular and
1: that's, that's what we want to show. Sure, yeah. sure.
0: But at the same time, because of that there's there's also a great, you know big GV intimidation factor and in all that business.
1: And you know? there's also I mean, the law too that you, you, know, yeah, you worried
0: Yeah, r- r- exactly what they might particularly say. I, I know, uh, I can think of uh, uh, a couple families that, that uh, would want me to be there if they were on anything.
1: Well, of course. You know. You know whatever whatever yeah. it is that makes them comfortable. Yeah. We we're not out to make anyone uncomfortable, so whatever they they want, okay. they need, that we're we're happy to do. Okay. And also, if this is something that you'd be interested in, I could send you a copy of um, one of the old shows. You may have seen it already. I don't know, but um, you know, just in case they want to know or see or just I don't know. I've always found that that's
0: that's
1: mm-hmm. can't hurt. Sure. If you if you'd like me to send you right. From season one,
0: because we're in season two now. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. If you want to, I can give you an address. Which it's at the website, but I can give it to you again.
1: Okay.
0: Um, Send it to Truth Barrow. Okay.
1: Uh,
0: and that's a capital T and a capital B. Okay. And I, I'll probably say that to you more than once, but I do want to do want you to, if you ever show that or display that in any form, that the B is capital two. Okay. Um, P. O. Box seven six five. Old orchard, Beach.
1: Old orchard
0: Beach, and that's Orchard, not Orchid. Okay. Uh, Old Orchard Beach, Maine, M E is the two-letter.
1: Okay.
0: O four O six four. Great. All right. Um, and you don't actually have my uh, my full name at this point.
1: I don't. That okay. was a, that's another question. Okay. Thank you.
0: Well, I am known as Mark the Founder because of what I've done, but um and also because I'm trying to, uh, not make a, uh, you understand in the beginning, it was really critical to not establish a cult of personality. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, you know, because we're not a cult and we're not any of that. And so it was about keeping me from being the, uh, uh, you know, the absolute focus. Now that we're so large, now I can be the, poli- the, the media spokesman, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so you know, th- that's what that was all about. I see. Um, uh, my name is Mark Henkel. Okay. It's a H-E-N-K-E-L. Okay.
1: Should I put your name on
0: on the package or just? It, not necessary. But okay. it just occurred to me that you didn't have my name. No, it'll okay. g- get the truth bearer. We'll get. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure I see it. Okay.
1: All right. Well, I'll get that dubbed off today. I'll, I'll probably send you the, the segment on um rights of passage, which has a thing about um, Apache Indians um, and about. Um, the old um, sending the the nation, sending the elderly to nursing homes. Mm-hmm. That um, can be seen by many cultures as a very negative thing. Um, and uh, we look at that and um, try and show why that is uh, something that... Um, you know that happens in this in this society mm-hmm. and then um what is the other I actually forget the other segment in that anyway I'll dub it off for you and I'll send it along and I think that'll
0: be a good one for you to have that sounds great yeah. so then you'll do that and when do you think I'll hear from you next
1: um in the next couple of days okay
0: um, after you get some research under your belt?
1: Yeah, I'm going to just aggressively just get as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And um, i got to meet with my boss and sure. sort of tell him what's going on with all the calls and everything. Right. And then um, probably email you, well, it's a Thursday, so probably early next week.
0: That sounds good. Yeah.
1: Super. And, um, yeah, it was a, quite a pleasure to talk to you, and, and it's really
0: fascinating to, to learn about Well, we, we find that uh, every time we get a chance to talk to somebody... Uh, and they they intellectually hear what we have to say this is their typical reaction it's just a matter of being able to get that out
1: yeah exactly and then platforms such as this might might
0: help could very well do that you know, so. super especially with oh. lovenotforce.com yeah definitely that's
1: a <laughs> wonderful um part of it and like i said when i when i read that i was like wow bingo that you know that's,
0: but, that's, that's the key definitely. that unlocks the door Exactly. Super.
1: All right. Well, again, thanks for your time. And-
0: oh, it's been wonderful. I've enjoyed speaking with you as well.
1: I hope you have a pleasant day.
0: Thanks. You too, Dana. Okay. Yep. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. Mark Hankel is National Polygamy Advocate. Presented polygamy to the public since 1994. NationalPolygamyAdvocate.com National